Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, we'll head to Longford to hear how they're working with heavy hitters Microsoft and Ericsson to further the digital education of the county's school children. Plus, in just a few minutes' time, I'll speak with the Chief Commercial Officer at 3 Ireland about customer loyalty and rewards. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Instagram at jesskellynt. But first... Yeah, it's been a few days now and I promise I won't give away any spoilers, but we need to talk about Succession. What an episode and what a show as well. It has been an incredible four seasons. And as I mentioned to John Fardy last week, I firmly believe this show illustrated that appointment TV is not dead in the water. And it's really set the bar for, you know, what counts as entertainment and the calibre of production, of writing, of acting. Oh, I just love it. I'm so sad it's over. Did you watch it? I feel like I need to get everybody's thoughts and feelings on it. Uh, you can email me techtalk at newstalk.com. We also saw the end of My Beloved Ted Lasso, uh, season three wrapped this week. I do wonder uh, what Apple will pull out of the bag in terms of headline grabbing content to keep subscribers because myself, I was definitely one of those people that just signed up to Apple TV for uh, Ted Lasso. Well, actually, that's not true. I signed up for the morning show and then I stayed for Ted Lasso and I've renewed ever since for Ted Lasso. But now that Ted is done, uh, what's going to come down the tracks? I, I Again, I'm eager to see what happens. Um, if there's anything on Apple TV that I'm missing that you'd recommend, please do use that same email address, techtalk at newstalk.com. But what a few months we've had in the world of TV. We've kind of been spoiled for choice. But anyway, I'll park my love and grief uh, over the fact those two shows are done to the side for now. But moving right along, uh, we know that there's been a lot of movement in the mobile market in recent years. Just this week, I spoke to Pat Kenny about the change in billing for 48 customers. They're now going to get 13 bills in a year versus 12, which means an 8% increase in the money they're spending. But we've also seen people moving from traditional mobile networks to the digital mobile networks. People aren't upgrading their phones as often as they once did. So how do the big players continue to grow? Well, I am delighted to say that Elaine Carey, the Chief Commercial Officer at 3 Ireland, is with me now. Elaine, I'm delighted to have you on the programme. Uh, as I mentioned in the intro there, there is, or there has been a lot of movement in the mobile market over the last wee while. And I'm just curious how big players such as yourselves continue to not only retain your customers, but attract new customers is the price point the key driver or do the perks that the likes of three offer make a big difference? I think they definitely make a difference. And we can see it from the customer base engagement with the loyalty program. I mean, we're very proud of our loyalty program, first off, as we've been awarded the best loyalty program in the telco market and have that since, you know, the end of 2021, which tells us that customers are valuing it customers are seeing the value that they get from the partnerships that we have, whether it be Alvarez or Duns or, or Eason's, um, to, to name but a few. And then obviously, as you mentioned, Jess, our association with Three Arena, our association with Three Olympia, with the festivals, whether it's EP or Longitude, gives our customers access to whether it be pre-sale tickets 48 hours before anyone else can get them and money can't buy experiences when they actually go to have an experience at any of the venues. Mm. The the partnerships with the likes of the Three Arena and the music festivals you just mentioned there, that is incredible uh, marketing. The fact that it's in the name, it's built into the name. From a business point of view, how do you assess the right opportunities that will benefit the brand, but also the customer? 
Well, I think the customer is at the centre of all the decision making. So we look at what is the customer engaged with, interested in, what is relevant to the customer base. We have a very, as you know, just, you know, being the number one provider, we have a very large base that transcends many ages and many styles, many interests. And what we try and do is find something that will address the most amount of interest that our customers have. And if we look at three arena, you know, it it puts on anything from Andrea Bocelli to, you know, the whatever the, the latest big rap artist is at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not into rap, hence why I didn't mention some of them. Um, mm-hmm. Or whether it's the Katie Taylor fight, which happened a number of, um, obviously, two weeks ago. And it was nearly the third biggest redeemed pre-sale we had. And the first one was Lewis Capaldi. So you can see the difference of the engagement from our customers because the venue, um, Three Arena and Three Olympia, and then to a different extent, the festivals gives to a very broad customer base and they see the value. They can't get it anywhere else. It's exclusive to three. There are three customers. All of this is very much wrapped around a thank you from us to our customers for being with three. Yeah, and it seems to be one of the the loyalty programs or one of the perk programs that actually is of value because I've been looking around over the last wee while and I think yourselves and I have to say Erlingus as well, there are actual benefits that you would pay for the access to, you know, if it's Lewis Capaldi, I know my sister was desperate to go to that gig uh, and thankfully she was on three and she got her pre-sell code. But that does seem to be the point of difference and it does seem to matter to people when they're contemplating moving away from the network do you do any form of research for new customers to see if it's a driver at all in that instance we're seeing it from both sides and okay. i'm delighted that your sister got a pre-sale code <laughs> um and that she experienced so she, she went to the three plus lounge as well when she was there so from from our side you're absolutely right so first of all we dig with the existing customers you know we know that And we obviously have analysis to tell us that customers that are registered with three, which we have about 44 percent of our base that are registered with three of the voice base um, that are registered with three plus um, stay with us longer. Right. So they are obviously making a conscious decision that I'm getting these benefits, I'm getting these perks. Oh, actually, that makes a difference to me layered on top of the value that I'm getting. You know, we've always been, and you know very much just this, we've always been the drivers of all you can need data and making sure that the customer has the as much data as they need and driving the value around that. And we all know data is where customers use their, their phone now and is growing and growing and growing. Like data has grown 270% since 2017. So they're valuing the data. We offer all you can eat data. Then we layer on the benefits and the perks that they can't get anywhere else. And they are making that consideration going, oh, well, actually, I'll lose all that if I go elsewhere. A really interesting um, occurrence that's happened is business customers. So business customers, employees of business customers are actually going to account holder who's making the decision going, oh, well, I don't want to move from three because I'm going to lose my every voucher for 15 percent to get the kids sports equipment. Or I'm going to lose that, you know, Don's voucher that I spent 25 and I get five. Like I, w- I want us to stay with three, which is an endorsement to the business community, which has been really interesting because they see it as a loyalty for their employees, which they are considering then when obviously other options are put on the table for them. And I think attracting it definitely does also, because I think if you are interested in, you know, three arena, three Olympia, everything that it has to offer, plus making considered, you know, decisions at the moment with regards to cost of living. So, okay, I can go for the telco, you know, we've got um, the fastest 5G network, which is great. I can go for their value and all you can eat data and their value proposition overall. But then I'm making another decision going, <clears throat> can I get more rewards for being with three versus another competitor in the market that helps my cost of living problem at the moment and makes mm-hmm. me feel I'm getting everyday value? Because just the important is everyday value. Three Arena, three Olympia are hugely important to us. But you don't go there every day, but you might get a coffee and cafe Nero every day for a euro 
or you do your shopping every day and you go to Dunn's or you go into Elvery's or you go to Eason's. They're everyday purchases that make an impact in the value you get every day. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I'm hoping to do with this slot over the next few months is highlight to people the perks that they could be tapping into because I'm sure there are three customers who know nothing about all of these perks. They sign up because they signed up 20 years ago or 10 years ago, whenever it was, and they've never even looked into it. So there is that potential you can tap into. Um, I'm curious about... I know that you guys reimagined your stores a while ago and they're more experiential now. It doesn't just feel like a wall of phones anymore. How much is that based on giving the consumer a different, maybe better experience rather than that overwhelming wall of phones? Because I get it all the time. People say to me, geez, I walked into a store and I couldn't tell one phone from the other. Never mind, find the right one for me. But your stores, it kind of feels like you're walking into someone's living room now. Absolutely. And, and you know, we retailing, you know, as well, Jess, and you've you've said it, you know, telco stores haven't changed ever. I'm in telcos a, a long time. I won't say how long, but I'm in telcos a long time. And I also am a little bit of a nerd where anywhere I travel, I walk into a telco store because I'm always interested to see what others are doing. And it hasn't changed. But our customers have fundamentally changed. The technology has fundamentally changed. The connectivity of everyday items has fundamentally changed. So whether it is your, your your smart camera, your smart doorbell, whether it's your smart cat feeder, you know, things have changed and it's complicated. And I know just I listen to you a lot. You're trying to take the complication out for the everyday user that goes, oh, well, how am I going to get that camera working? And mm-hmm. um, what we wanted to do on the insight we saw is people have the need we have the expertise. We also have the insight to try and curate products that, you, you know, you don't have to sit there and look at 15 cameras. We've curated into the camera that we feel is the best offering that most of our customers would utilize. And then the expertise about our staff to tell you how to do it, make it easy, take the complexity away. And the whole premise has been how do we make customers' lives better through connectivity? And that has been the inspiration for driving our stores into a different place. And by the way, when you go into our stores, three plus plays a role, because if you're a three plus registered customer, you get 15 percent off those new products and lifestyle products that we have in our stores. Yeah. And you mentioned the word lifestyle there. When I think about three and the different strands, and obviously I think I've spoken to you on panels before about, you know, uh, the rollout of fiber and 5G and all these kind of things around the country and the importance of connectivity. But it does feel like the brand is moving more and more towards a lifestyle brand rather than just being a one dimensional telco. Is that a fair statement? It's very good, Jess. <laughs> uh, and thank God the advertising is working. Um, and, and, and that is listening to our customers, right? So our customers are asking for something different. They're living different lives. You know, we, had a, we, had a, we did a huge amount of research into customer insight into what are they using technology for? And we had this amazing story about a farmer who was, you know, in the middle of his farm and the tractor tire, I don't know, something happened to it. He goes on YouTube. He does, uh, how do you fix tractor tire and fixes it? And you're just going, my God, the role connectivity and the mobile is playing in people's lives has fundamentally changed. And then we can't go and be that brand that has rows of phones, which aren't our brand because they're Apple or they're Oppo or they're or Samsung, and they're not to do with us. What was very clear, the insight why people do come into us is the experts. You know, so my phone's not working or I need to get it repaired or I need advice on my new upgrade or I need a, advice on my new phone for, for my child's first phone. That's where the expertise came. And then how do we expand that into the connector products that are now on offer, but aren't really created properly and definitely are complicated and can scare some people. So the perfect mm. example is, you know, the the ring doorbell. And just I've heard you talk about it before. Like if you're an elderly person, and you, you don't want to open the door and it's like, oh, my God, a connected doorbell. Where do I even start? We can have it already. The app downloaded onto their phone, set them up, register for it. And all they have to do is like stick it on the outside of the door. Now, that's a huge benefit to our customers in having a better, safer life. Mm. 
Yeah, and I think customer support, like it's definitely one thing that came out of the pandemic. People realised how important good support staff are. And when, when you get them, it is great. I just want to ask briefly before I let you go about the business side of this, because obviously offering all of the, the perks and the support for the customer is great and it gives a good uh, customer experience. But from a business point of view, how do you make sure that it works for the business? Because as I mentioned at the top, you know, people aren't upgrading their phones as often. Maybe they're moving to a cheaper price plan or pay as you go or one of the digital mobile networks. So how do you ensure that, you know, your revenue and your bottom line is still looking nice and healthy while I'm off dancing at Lizzo in the three arena? Because you stay with us longer because you want to see whatever your next ISO is when the next, you know, artist comes along and you make that consideration. So, you know, very much the market is based on, you know, who moves around in the market. We're seeing the movement reduce, i.e. customers are not leaving us as much or as length of time that they used to. So we know telcos, right? You're in a 12-month contract, 18-month contract, 24-month contract. You go, you have a look around, you see what's on offer, which you should do because you should always look for value that suits you as a customer. But then you have the consideration of, okay, well, hold on a minute. If I do see that extra piece that might give me, I don't know, two euros cheaper, if I add up all the value I get from my engagement with the offers I get from three plus, oh, hold on a minute, I, I, I'm not willing to give that up. I'm going to stay with three. So the big, mm-hmm. big bottom line benefit for us, Jess, is they stay with three. They see the benefits, they're engaging with it, they're getting value through a different mechanism that's maybe a more enjoyable mechanism. You know, so getting access to three, you know, that they may not do otherwise. And and also, you know, a lot comes out with if it's a family and I'm making a consideration here. Oh, well, I don't want to lose that kids sportswear, kids equipment for school, 15% discount for Melbury. So they also consider that a real added value to them. And again, for three to thank them for their business with us. Yeah, well, look, it's a fascinating uh, loyalty program. If you are a three customer and you haven't tapped into the perks that are sitting there waiting for you, I would highly recommend it. Uh, Elaine, thank you so much for joining us here on Newstalk. Thank you, Des. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now, last Friday, I jumped on the train from Dublin to Edwardstown in County Longford to meet with students, teachers and locals as they took part in the first Dream Space programme outside of Dublin along with Tipperary. It was such a fun day and an excellent example of proper collaboration between different bodies, businesses and individuals. One of the first people I met when I got off the train was Martina Needham, who is the county librarian. We're trying to create a, an umbrella of events called Longford Steam. So this is kind of the jewel in the crown at the moment, but we have steam backpacks that are going to be available in the library soon. We're doing our kids codings through the libraries. We have a digital partnership with Feroiga. We are doing um, age-friendly digital skills all the time. And this is only the start, like where we've a huge amount of STEAM related books and we're going to be building that collection. And I have a STEAM team in the library. We have a STEAM team in the IT department and our arts department are now coming on. So they were really kind of expanding it out and we're looking for a real collaborative approach, um, a real joint up thinking of all the things that we're doing and, and just packaging it all together in a nice little bow. But there's a lot of strings to this bow and we're really excited about it because like the jobs of tomorrow are being created through Steam. They estimate there'll be 2 million um, jobs created over the next 10 years just because of the change of technology. And we're just trying to give these kids a chance to kind of future-proof them in a way that they have all of these skills, the problem-solving, the critical thinking, the collaborative approach, the kind of thinking outside the box. And we're looking to make them into creators and inventors to make things and do things rather than just participate. We want them to be really involved and get their hands dirty kind of thing. So we're trying to make sure that we have the resources there to support them in however they want to do it. And we're not pushing everyone towards STEAM. It's just that these subjects, the science, technology, engineering, arts and maths, um, 
allow you to develop these skills. But like whether you become a farmer or a baker or a plumber, you need these skills because you're using them every day. And it just makes your life that little bit easier. And that's what we're trying to do to these kids. Give them the potential and the support that they need to be whatever they want to be in the future. So we're not being prescriptive at all. It's just giving them a head start. Um, Minister Norma Foley is introducing STEAM subjects to primary schools in 2026. And what we want to do is give a little head start in Longford and allow these kids to be well ahead of it. So when they when they are introduced, these will be standard in all the classes. They'll be kind of, this won't be something frightening for them. And it'll encourage them then when they go into secondary school, when computer science is an option, that they won't be scared. And I think that's the thing. One in four adults are terrified of numbers or numeracy related subjects. So parents don't mean to do it and I can't blame them. They all, we've all had those maths teachers or a science teacher and it was just, it felt over our heads. But what we're trying to do is to introduce it in, in a fun, creative way with people that really are passionate. And you'll see from the teachers today, like they're so excited. They're more excited, I think, than the kids. And they're making sure that they're all organised and showcasing to their best potential. And I suppose what we're trying to do with the kids is show them it's loads of fun and it's nothing to be frightened of. And that really the world is there for them. Like their future, like we don't know, like there could be a Nobel Prize winner in there at the moment or the best farmer in Longford or the best butcher, or the best carpenter or the best electrician all happening. And we're just giving them skills that they might need to do that job to the best of their ability. It's incredible. And to even hear the passion and the vision for it is great. How important is the collaboration with the different bodies that you've mentioned there now? Because this isn't just one group going on a solo run. It seems to be a whole county effort. Well, I think sometimes you need partners and you need passionate partners and you need people that buy into it. I suppose I should confess, I'm actually a scientist. I, uh, my degree is in botany. So I, I understand and I really think that science is one of those subjects that was in school that people were terrified of. Um, but for some reason, my, my family, my dad's a farmer and he really pushed us towards science and it was just something that we did like we went to nature walks and you know we were helping on the farm and we saw things and we were really involved in it so science wasn't a scary subject for us um but I think for a lot of people they mightn't have had that experience and like with Danny and Christine and Shane and in my entire library staff they're really really passionate about getting involved um and I think we fuel each other you know sometimes you just today you'll see today's the spark and all, sometimes all you have to do is ask that one question and get the spark going and then everyone comes in behind you. You know, like, who who would have guessed that we'd get the fire service and the civil defence and sports partnership and Healthy Ireland and the environment and everyone together today to showcase everything that Longford County Council does. But, like, we huge buy-in from our management team, the councillors, there's so many of them here today. And I think that helps, that people actually believe in our vision, that... Like um, I started in Longford County Council eight months ago to the day, actually. And Danny was the first person to take me for tea. And from that first day that we went for a cup of tea, we really just went, I love Steve. I love Steve too. And then we just built and Danny had already this project in the pipeline. And I just rode in behind him as much as I could. So like it really is driven by different departments. Um, but everyone's so passionate about it. Like, I mean, you've probably spoken to Danny and Christine, but like Denise, our communications officer is like, yes. And David McNiff, who is our facilities manager, he's an engineer and he's like, yes. And everyone is just, it's brilliant because no one's saying no. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the joy. And everyone is seeing the benefit for the kids and the fact that this is just the first step. Christine Collins, Broadband and Digital Officer with Longford County Council. Oh, I, I'm super proud. So many behind this that helped make it work. And as the vision from our management team to our elected members, giving us the freedom to team up with Microsoft, do pilot initiatives. You can see the success in there. See that it's success. And, you know, I was really touched by some of the teachers saying the way it brought classes together, all different abilities. You know, it's a day for everybody. It's a real celebration of their journey into the STEAM world. So we're super, super delighted. And there's a lot going on in this area as a whole when it comes to different ICT initiatives. Can you just give me a bit of an overview of, as to what exactly is going on? 
Right, so we have also we are engaging with Our Kids Code, which is all about bringing families together to do uh, uh, computing. So last year we had four successful pilots, so we're looking to extend that. So really what we want to do is have small initiatives in the community, have small initiatives in the school, and everybody working working together on that. Mm. Uh, and one of the issues that can sometimes come up, though, when it, when it comes to ICT and digital literacy is access to the technology and access to connectivity. Uh, we know that the National Broadband Plan is continuing to roll out. How are, how are things in terms of connectivity in Longford? Yeah, well, sure, look, co- connectivity is key to, you know, sustaining and developing our communities. So the National Broadband Plan is, is rolling out great. We have um, 39% of all premises in Longford fall under the National Broadband Plan. I, and this is split out uh, into six deployment areas. Uh, Longford is one of these deployment areas and we're delighted that went live at the end of the year. So there's a lot of connections live and that we one of our biggest deployment areas, but also we broadband connection points. And broadband connection points are po- uh, like community buildings, uh, community centres, where people can access broadband freely. So they, can, so they have a connection, they don't have to wait. Um, so we're delighted with that and um, Look, it's it's we've sourced funding to re um, to renovate the community centre. So now they're turning into a different space. So it's not just about the remote working. These amazing community groups, like the community groups, are the blood of County Longford, and they're so strong, and they make it all happen when we work together. And they're all looking at how they can change what they do in the community, given uh, online courses, art classes coming online, dancing. Everything's happening, but they can do it in their own community and saving them from having to commute into the bigger times. So in the interim, we have connectivity. Yes, we're waiting on the rollout of the National Broadband Plan, but it's starting and it's uh, gaining momentum. And I suppose a lot of that, you know, is to do with, you know, there's great uh, support in our own uh, Longford County Council with the roads, the planning, IT, everybody working together with National Broadband Ireland to make sure that there is bring speed up on this, you know. And it's not just initiatives like today that you have underway. There are other things in the pipeline, in the works. Tell me a little bit about them. Oh, we're super excited. There's loads of other things happening. Of course, we have excellent support, you know, today from Microsoft, Ericsson, but Ericsson have huge resources. So they already were running, a, from the Midlands point of view, we're running a pilot in each of the counties where Scratch has been introduced. So uh, primary schools that haven't uh, taken part in today's event, they're getting an opportunity to, to take part in another uh, Scratch Online from Ericsson, which is so, so positive. We hope to look to move to rolling out the VEX123, maybe in all our library network. And we also want to care, like, wouldn't it be wonderful today if we had another event, uh, a quiet event, to cater for our kids with additional needs? And we're looking at maybe looking at the VEX123, which is all about touch, touch to learn how to code. Look, we're super excited and we're super delighted to have you along for today, Jess. So my name is Michael Barrett. Uh, I'm a STEM specialist for Microsoft Ireland's DreamSpace team. We are a team of teachers working out of one Microsoft place. And what we're all about is delivering immersive research-based STEM experiences to the young people of Ireland. Uh, We work with uh, kids aged six all the way up to 18. And we do this through a range of different ways, such as our in-person sessions that we have in one Microsoft place in the headquarters for Microsoft Ireland our live events, which is streamed directly into classrooms, our teacher guides as to uh, teachers can actually take back to their classrooms and deliver the dream space experience themselves, and even our community work, which is what today is all about. So tell me a little bit about that, because I've been in classes in one Microsoft place and I've met the kids, whether they were primary or secondary school, and the work they do is just incredible. I haven't been to an event like this, so explain what's going on. Uh, so... How this all came about was looking at the Dream Space experience, which is kind of ran out of Leperstown in one Microsoft place. We have a range of different kind of content that teachers can use themselves, but looking at, okay, maybe you can't make the journey out to us, uh, so we want to bring STEM to you. And one of the big pieces about Dream Space is also uh, ensuring kind of a diverse uh, STEM um, a workforce, you know, uh, and ensuring that is equal representation for all genders, uh, equal representation for all ethnicities. But one thing that uh, I was really passionate about was um, bridging the digital divide between urban and rural areas. Because if you're a young person growing up in an urban area, such as Dublin city centre, you may have a lot more opportunities to kind of take part in coding clubs and STEM clubs or even travel out to us in dream space. However, if you're coming from a rural area, you might not have that opportunity. Uh, So last year, we and actually the beginning of this academic year, we partnered with a couple of uh, different key kind of stakeholders in this. 
Uh, we started working with our kids code a trinity program which is all about kind of family computing they're absolutely excellent uh, we partnered with the department of rural and community development and we actually chose two pilot counties in longford and tipperary uh, and that was possible due to the people on the ground who are just so passionate about this and they saw our vision for what stem experience and what stem education should be in rural areas uh, namely here for longford on today is uh, daniel lynch and christine collins they're absolutely fantastic whether that is kind of pulling in teachers and showcasing them what is possible with STEM and showcasing them that, look, you don't have to be an expert, right? We have the Dream Space team. You have Michael there to help you out. Just get going and be open to it and maybe move away from I'm an expert and a fountain of knowledge and more so I'm a facilitator to allow kids to get going on coding and STEM because they're truly the experts on it. And once you kind of get them going, they're absolutely going to run with it. Yeah. And so what was what was required from your side? So you had the willing participants in Tipperary and Longford. Uh, so what exactly did you need to do to deliver the education and insight to the kids that led us up to today? So it all started again at the beginning of the academic year. Before Christmas, we essentially planted the seed, right? Uh, in these rural communities, it's all about word of mouth, right? And it's all about getting people on the ground who are actually going to champion your work. Uh, so near the beginning of the year, I actually traveled down to uh, the Mullignac, the BCP, which is a broadband connection point, which is what uh, a big part of this project is all about. It, these are community halls, sports halls, even old churches that have been retrofitted with high-speed Wi-Fi. And initially they were just viewed as kind of like hot desking options and opportunities for kind of professionals to go in there and uh, access it. However, we started looking at why don't we bring STEM education? Why don't we bring dream space to these BCPs? So at the beginning of the year, I, w- I went down to Mullignac and I delivered uh, three dream space sessions in the day we had over 100 students come through the door and we had about a dozen teachers come through the door as well and all that day uh, i was saying look this is for you we are aligning it to the curriculum uh, i know it's going to be a little bit of um, a, a new opportunity and stepping into the unknown for you especially as teachers who may not have had experience before because this is the big thing about it as well you're you're dealing with students who may have be intimidated by coding and no opportunities with it. But you're also dealing with uh, teachers as well who may not have the opportunity as well. It's just frankly because they're so busy and they have so much on their plate as well. So that's where the sport came in from myself and the DreamSpace team and saying, we're going to help you along the way. So we planned the seed there with those sessions and with those events before Christmas. And then after Christmas, uh, we started getting them on what is called the DreamSpace uh, Showcase Roadmap, right? which started with an information session, which we laid out all the work that was going to be ahead of them. We delivered facilitator and uh, teacher training for them online. And we had some massive engagement with teachers who wanted to get involved. And then we gave them a 10 week scheme of uh, DreamSpace TV episodes uh, and lesson plans that they can take part in. And that series brought them on a journey from no coding knowledge and a brand new introduction to computer science all the way up to the point where they're working with the microbit, uh, which is that microcontroller, which is going to be the centerpiece of today of all their students' projects, um, using that to kind of send signals and actually allow them to use those skills to um, uh, solve problems associated with sustainable development goals, right? So the, the UN uh, Sustainable Development Goals. Um, after that 10-week period as well, I set them the challenge of the Do Your Bit Challenge, which is being kind of done in partnership with the Microbit Foundation, uh, who have been a massive supporter of this project as well. Uh, so I said, look, Use the skills as you've learned during DreamSpace, your time with myself, your time with DreamSpace TV, uh, and get going and solving some of the, the big problems in the world, right? Uh, and it's a big daunting task, but uh, I'm sure you've seen as well, even chatting to some of the students and, and even some of the teachers as well. The students are incredible. The innovation, your creativity, and even the collaboration amongst the students as well, working on projects uh, centered around biodiversity and so on. It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible what they've came up with. Uh, so we're here now in Longford today. We have about 400 students joining us, uh, showcasing all the work that they've done during DreamSpace TV, but not only that, pitching their uh, ideas and their coding solutions and tech solutions to to those sustainability problems. Uh, And on June 16th, in one Microsoft place, we're going to be holding the DreamSpace showcase for these students as well, and for our students over in Tipperary uh, and our amazing stakeholders over there and Tina Mulhern and Simon Howe. Uh, they're going to come up as well. So we're going to have our two pilot counties up to us in the headquarters to show off their project and also get to talk to Microsoft employees as well and showcase the innovation that can be found in the rural areas as well. Uh, so it's been absolutely incredible and um, I've been blown away by some of the stuff. Talking to the students in there, is, it's, it's been great. It's been absolutely great. Yeah, when I was walking around the tables, there's nothing they haven't thought of yeah. in terms of topics and it is all associated in some way to sustainability, but they've tied it into sport. Yeah into you know waste reduction food waste reduction uh energy generation it is incredible to see them so passionate about it and as we'll hear later in the show i'm going to talk to some of the kids 
They're also developing their soft skills in air quotes, which is the ability to explain what they've done, which I think is something that's super important. Is this uh, almost like a 360 program rather than just focusing on one aspect of, you know, digital education? Is there that confidence building and the articulation and stuff like that as well? 100%. So uh, I think any kind of modern STEM job, working in Microsoft or any of the other big tech companies, just being a fountain of knowledge right now really isn't good enough. You have to be able to communicate and you have to be able to collaborate on projects because everyone's working as part of a team right now. Uh, so if you have a great idea, that great idea is going to stay to yourself unless you're able to communicate it to the world and the people around you. So that's what the, the idea behind the DreamSpace Showcase was all about, okay, you have the skills, you've worked on them, you've mastered them, you've came up with an idea, but now it's time to actually pitch it to adults, to people uh, out there and uh, people who actually can kind of make change on it as well and help them along on their journeys to kind of help solve those problems. So they're talking here today, an amazing initiative by Longford. They actually have uh, teachers from the local secondary schools, the post-primary schools in as the judges, right? Because a big initiative that Longford is pushing as well is being the first county to have computer science offered at every single post-primary school. So you have teachers in here today who, again, might uh, haven't uh, uh, encountered computer science or coding before and introducing it to their secondary schools. Uh, they're seeing the young people thriving in coding, right, and excelling at it and how happy they are to be presenting their work and, the, and those soft skills that you're mentioning, being able to communicate it to them. So hopefully when they go into secondary schools uh, and post-primary, those, school, those schools and those teachers will actually be offering computer science as a as a leaving certificate project because you have to start young you have to start kind of fostering this loaf of tech and removing this kind of mystique around stem and coding and saying it is for everybody it is for you just because um you may not have encountered it before uh it's not that it's completely completely blocked off from you you can do it uh and getting students really early to see that and experience that is really, really important and that's what i believe what Genespace is all about as well and how much of the onus then is on, you know, Microsoft to expand this uh, pilot program? Because it seems to have been successful from the people I've spoken to, from the students uh, and from just what I've seen. But is it possible for you to scale out to every county in Ireland? Well, that's, what the, that's the plan. Uh, so I lead out in DreamSpace in the community, our pillar. And I was working on this, uh, those initiatives and trying to get into communities for a while uh, before we got our pilot counties to Bray and Longford. Because I thought, we can roll this out. We can do this as a big scale. We get all the counties and all the broadband connection points tied in. Now, I had a rude awakening and realized every community is different. Every area is different. Every county is different. So you have to kind of adapt and meet them where they are. You have to build relationships with the people who are on the ground who are able to kind of champion your work. Um, so that's what we did with Tipperary and Longford. We launched just yesterday, actually, in a, in a BCP in Cormean in Meath. Uh, so they were on their step one. We're on our final step and the finishing line today. But Meath just yesterday was doing their first step into it. We have amazing plans for uh, other counties such as uh, Mayo, Roscommon, Cork as well. Uh, and what we've seen the great success is, is with our partnership with our Kids Code as well in Trinity. So DreamSpace is supporting the schools and the facilitators and the teachers and giving them the content and the training that they need to deliver it and the confidence to deliver it in their schools. Uh, and then our Kids Code is supporting the parents and the adults in the community to set up clubs so that if you're not taking part in STEM encoding in school, you're going to have the option to take part of it in uh, the club. And that's where the collaboration comes into play. Hopefully you have a student to uh, do a bit of coding in school and go back to their adults at home and say, we should take part in that coding club or vice versa. You have someone taking part in the our Kids Code Club saying, going in the next day the next morning in the school and be like teacher why aren't we doing a bit of coding why aren't we doing a bit of computer science and it's that kind of two-prong approach to communities which has seen uh, the success we've seen so far that was michael barrett of dreamspace speaking with me in longford last friday now when we come back here on news talk we'll hear from some of the students some teachers and the industry players who made all of this possible tech talk with jess kelly Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. I'm taking you inside Longford County Council's Do Your Bit Local Challenge as part of the Dream Space Initiative. Just a few minutes ago, we heard from Microsoft about the role they play in all of this. But another key partner on the day was Ericsson, one of the big employers in the region. So my name is Sinead Pillion. I'm Head of Programs and Operations at Ericsson at Cologne. So we're a software engineering uh, company um, and that's our, our primary focus. Uh, so we hire mainly Java developers. We have 1,200 um, 
software engineers on site. Um, one of our main initiatives um, in, in my unit especially is a programme called Infuse, uh, which is short for Investing in Future Software Engineers. And it's an initiative that we're extremely proud of and something we are very invested in um, because we believe in building uh, talent and nurturing the talent that's in the locality and building that uh, and securing a pipeline for future engineers for the organisation. So it, this, it's an initiative that's evolved over the last, I'd say, 10 years plus. It started off um, as a collaboration with TUS, uh, the university beside us in Athlone. Um, we run a joint master's programme with the university. So it is tailored specifically to Ericsson. And the intention is that we have uh, engineer ready um, graduates uh, after the master's is complete. Um, but it has a, a, it has evolved uh, over the years and what we have found is that um, there are not as many um, not as many students going into computer science um, degrees and even less females. So we decided to, I guess, focus on that and in order to increase the number of students taking up these university uh, courses, we needed to reach the students earlier. So we started um, looking at secondary schools and we reached out to them. Uh, we have um, tech talks, we do uh, TY weeks, bring them in uh, for a week and get them coding and uh, demoing projects uh, to their back to their teachers and their parents. And it just kind of went from there and it has been a huge success and we've just evolved it and continue to evolve it. And now we reach out to um, kids as young as eight in national schools so we bring them in for site visits and get them involved in little coding projects like Scratch. We have a demo here today, like so the, the kids here today can see it. And that uh, really was the kind of the initiative and the start of this DreamSpace project that we're looking at today. So we're partnershiping with Microsoft uh, to really encourage kids um, as young as eight to um, get involved in, in um, STEM subjects and just generate an interest and an interest that they will continue to hopefully uh, nurture over the years. Um, the most important thing I think that we have done for the Midlands as well, again, as part of this joint initiative with Microsoft is to um, launch computer science as a subject in secondary schools. So this is a pilot and it is the first of its kind and Longford is the first county in Ireland where it's going to be rolled out. So I think it is absolutely magnificent for the area um, and it's fantastic for us in Ericsson. As I said, it's something we're extremely passionate about. Um, and we really want to uh, nurture the talent that we have in the locality and hopefully uh, retain it in, in the area. Um, and as we build, like our attempt to build an ICT cluster in the Midlands, um, where we grow like the um, the number of ICT companies, um, we need, it's important that we have like that talent pipeline for them. Um, and this is an initiative, I think, that will make a huge difference to that. It must be great for the young people to see that this investment in the locality is happening because... It wasn't that long ago that if you wanted to work for one of the big companies, you had to move to Dublin, Cork or Galway. Um, and that it has absolutely changed with the likes of Ericsson um, in places like Athlone. Do you get a sense of pride seeing people graduating from primary school to secondary school to college to getting a job and being able to stay local, staying part of their community? That That's what it's all about for us. I mean, it is absolutely a sense of pride. I mean... It's now, I mean, the initiative has been going on for 10 years. So it's only now that you can see that progression, like the, the kids that we would have done their TY with us. You know, we have a bursary program that if they continue with computer science um, in university, you know, there's a, a bursary grant that's available to them over the course of their, their college uh, journey. And that cohort are now starting to come back to us. And to see that progression and that continuity um, is fantastic. Because what we find is if that, if from like a um, retention perspective for Ericsson, if we can grow that talent locally and secure it, we can actually retain it, which is fantastic for us as an industry because you're building, you know, that growth and that uh, those opportunities for for people locally, which is it's fantastic and it's what we're all about, really. One of the brilliant things about days like today is that you're seeing young kids who may not have described themselves as being tech savvy or into technology getting involved in projects and exploring parts of their brain that did, they didn't know existed yet. That must be good again from an industry point of view to see that the the net is widening in terms of potential candidates down the line. Not everybody is going to go in and become a programmer or whatever it is. 
but it's just showing them the potentials of what could happen. Exactly. Like what, what uh, we say to the kids that come in, like it's, you know, if you see it, you can be it. So a lot of these kids don't know that these opportunities are available to them. And that's what we are trying to change. And there also tends to be like, um, you know, a bit of a bias towards like the this a career like in engineering, that it is just for the boys. So what we're really, we have a whole um, facet of the Infuse program is geared towards girls in ICT. And so we find like if we reach the kids as young as eight and we expose them to like all of these opportunities, it removes that bias completely. So they, they're all on a level playing field, like and they grow and uh, together and there's no... There's no gender bias, you know, because it's us really, like it's the older people like that introduce that gender bias. Kids don't have it. Another area that we know has improved a good bit over the re- over the last few years, but continues to be an area of focus is getting more young girls and women interested and into technology. Are there specific initiatives you have to try and address that? Absolutely. Um, we actually have an ambition that um, over 25 or approximately 25% of our workforce are female and that is something that we really strive towards and work hard to achieve. And so as part of this Infuse programme, we start from the very beginning. So we reach out to the kids as young as eight uh, to make sure that um, the girls understand that uh, engineering isn't a career just for the boys, that they are equally as capable. Um, and by giving them the tools and the equipment, um, you know, we help them to, to realise that ambition. A lot of what we see um, in the schools today is that the teachers don't necessarily Uh, feel comfortable uh, teaching these STEM subjects because they don't probably have the qualifications. So a lot of the work that we do is actually with the teachers as well. So we give them the tools that they need to to teach the kids so that, you know, once we have our our school visits, that the teachers can continue on uh, what we have started uh, after we've gone. Uh, So we have uh, dedicated uh, TY weeks um, at secondary school level just for the girls um, and they've proved to be hugely successful as well. And uh, this year, actually, um, for the master's programme, the intake, the applicants, we actually had enough female applicants for the course to be uh, all female, which is absolutely incredible. Um, obviously, we will select the best candidates uh, for uh, the course, but you know, to see that turnaround and that change like, is, is fantastic and something we're extremely proud of. That was Sinead Pillion, the Head of Programmes and Operations at Ericsson in Athlone. And I want to bring you now some of the kids who took part in this initiative. They were buzzing to talk about their projects. They're all primary school children and they were tasked with using a micro bit to build a creation that tackles or solves an issue relating to climate change. Here are just some of those I spoke to. My name's Katie and we made, we decided to do a radio receiver and a radio send to um, help create no, no dumping in bogs because that's very bad for the environment. We found, we went to, we went on a trip to Corley with our school and we thought that was very interesting. So we decided we would try and improve dumping um, we used a radio sense, so we used our like ideas for sending messages to one another microbits so that we could know if someone's dumping. So it's a bit like some camera vlogs of cameras see who's dumping, send a fine. So that was our inspiration for it. My name is Owen Bannister. I'm 11 years old and I go to Stone Park National School. And our project is on a tracker bit. So basically, if your child gets lost in the supermarket, then it'll be to track you. So your child will be wearing one micro bit that'll be flashing a dot, and your other and your other micro bit will will be like um trans. It will your tracker one, which is the, like the child one, will be sending out a message to your parents that's wearing one, and she will be like like you'll like put a negative number if if they're like far away, but if it's, a, if it's a positive number, then they're close by. And so it's basically like a, tra- a tracker device for your child if it goes missing or anywhere. It's a little bit difficult finding the COVID and everything, but it's really good fun working with all my teammates. Dr. Miola Sullivan from Principal in Stone Park School in Longford. Got 250 children um, just on the outskirts of Longford Town. So it's a mixed profile, really. But um, in general, um, most of the kids just come from rural areas or a rural Jesh school. And um, the idea of this project came up um, during the year when we were trying to plan out our STEM 
what our STEM pathway or journey, journey might be for the next three years. As being a new JESH school is very important for us to have a, a plan for the next couple of years to what we're going to do. So we concentrated on um, on JESH. And um, then the, uh, the local county council came in and Microsoft DreamSpace came in with a, a project that we could focus on and, and gear it up. So a couple of months ago, we just started putting together. We had a, got a teacher in to help the children to code. And um, it's it's like we talk about computer science as a leaving cert subject, but really it it it, goes, it relates back to primary schools and early childhood education. Like children learn how to explore, investigate, um, data processing, all those computer. Like it, it feeds into literacy, whether either you know um, numeracy. Um, so there's so many aspects to it. So the last couple of weeks, I really got going with the with the coding and putting the projects together. And it's just a mixed match of make and do and. Um, it's just been great, really. You know, it's a great initiative. And how important is it to have initiatives like that to inspire or maybe kickstart uh, technology and STEM and STEAM in schools? Because we know the teachers are up against it with the curriculum and they may not all have the digital know-how themselves to engage in this. But looking on the kids' faces in that hall, they seem to really enjoy it. Oh, that's super. I mean, I, I we've been preparing here for a couple of days, just getting all the stuff together and different posters and you know, making sure the kids all the bits and pieces that they needed. So it's not so much us doing it for them, it's checking in with them. So I arrived in the classroom the other day, just checking with fifth class, have you got your posts ready? Have you got this? Who's the captain of your team? And so on. And the kids were telling me about their different little projects. We had about eight projects here today. So one kid started telling me about the project. I said, well, I, who, who did the coding for this? Who, who's like, who? and then this little hand goes up from the back, the smallest little fellow in the class. And he, he starts to stand up and talk about you know the way the coding how they got it wrong and they had to go back and reverse kind of engineer it in and do it again and putting the things together his whole language was about the coding and the programming so he had a story to tell so it wasn't just a big fancy story about how we put and who is what he had he also and his language is complete he learned all this language from the coding part and the microbit and the, the whole dream space part and um, you know it was just he, he was talking numeracy he was talking um, engineering he was talking science and he, it rolled off his tongue. So he just cut one. And I was standing there saying, oh, that boy there, right? So he had like five and six and ten sentences, one after another. This kid hadn't spoken two words in, I don't know, when I'd walk into a class, he kind of frees up, but he, he was engaged. So I think that's it. We just got to get him engaged and find the right sources and, and, and we're away. That was Dr. Michal O'Sullivan speaking to me at St. Mary's Community Centre in Edwardstown last Friday. It was such a brilliant day and I'm very excited to see the Dream Space programme being rolled out across the country because it really is making a difference and enhancing the digital know-how of kids around Ireland. Uh, it was just a fantastic day out. So thank you indeed to all of the team who welcomed me down and uh, everybody who spoke to me as well. Uh, and that's it from me this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. John Fardy's up next here on News Talk. I'll chat to you next week.